Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Rob Basham. About two years ago, this time, I was in Ohio, and I was at this big conference, and uh, I had this incredible opportunity, a friend of mine, and, and two, there's four of us, we were in this big kind of meeting hall room, way too big for four people, and I remember there's these massive windows, and I remember it vividly, and we were praying over this one friend. We were praying for this guy, a fellow minister of the gospel, a, a friend of mine that I'd known for a little while, and during this time of kind of intense prayer, uh, we took him through kind of a time of confession, he brought some, some things that had been kept secret into the light, and it was this incredible thing. But at some point in, the, in that ministry time of prayer, something broke in my friend. Something broke, and, and it was like as though he found this new level of freedom, and all of a sudden our prayers changed, and suddenly we were just blessing him with the love of the Father and joy, and, and this incredible, this, this guy, a man's man, a former football player, he just starts weeping. And he starts to experience the, the presence and the love of God in a, this just real way. And there was this peace in this room. And the, I remember the light was shining in, and, and there was just this freedom. And as my friend stood up and wiped the tears away and embraced me, I saw this new level of hope in his eyes. And it was just this incredible experience that I'll never forget. What got us to that place, though? You see, the, the day before, my friend had come to me, and, and he, he, he asked me to grab another leader, and we got together, and he began to share with us that he just, things weren't right. He felt like he wasn't thriving. He felt like he was struggling in his ability to be a dad, struggling in his ability to be a husband, struggling in his ability to be a minister of the gospel, and he just felt stuck. He said, uh, my self-talk has just been dark, and I just feel like the evil one has been attacking me a lot lately, and I, I just don't feel like I'm living in the freedom that I read about or that I see others live, living in. I just, I feel stuck. And he told us, I think I might be being influenced by the demonic. I think I might be demonized. Would you guys be willing to set up a ministry session with me? Set up a, a deliverance prayer session. And we did. And it wasn't strange, but that's what happened that next day. As the enemy was forced to leave, and he experienced the fullness of Jesus in a powerful way. Deliverance is our topic for today. I think I have your attention. I want you to know that I'm not afraid of this topic, and I really don't think you should be either. However, it's a, a strange topic, and it's a topic that we're going to handle with great care this morning, and generally will handle it with great care around Sam Alliance. You see, I'm a fairly rational person that comfortably dwells in the, in the natural, but over the past couple of years, I've had the privilege of engaging in this ministry, and I've seen many people set free from demonization. I know for many of us, this concept is just a little too far out of our comfort zone. It's more like twilight zone, and this paradigm doesn't fit nicely into our Western rational culture. But church, we gotta talk about it. This is our last message in our series, Thrive. And this whole series has been about our souls. It's been about our souls and finding freedom. It's been about our souls thriving. It's been a bit of a, a detox journey. 
Many of you have done these weird juice fasts and these water fasts, and you've gone on this detox trying to rid your bottle of, body of toxins and chemicals, and I think you're kind of weird, but I'm glad you're doing it. Hope it's working for you. But this series has been a bit of a detox for our souls, utilizing repentance and relying on the Spirit to rid us of fear and unforgiveness, to rid us of wounds and redeem those and, and deal with our family sin patterns. And today, to the, to the detox regiment for our souls, we add deliverance. So why are we talking about this here at Sam Alliance? Two reasons. One reason, because we believe that we are called to be a community that brings an incredible level of peace to our city. And for us to do that really well, collectively, we need to experience freedom. We need to experience peace ourselves so that we can bring it to others. And so we do it. So that wherever we walk, we bring the peace of Christ and we make things correct the way they were intended to be in Jesus' name. The second reason that we're talking about it is today is because Christ did it. It was a major part of his ministry. And not only did he do it, he trained others to do it. You see, when he called his 12 disciples together, what did he do? He gathered them together. And in Matthew 10, it says he calls them together. He gives them authority. And he says, go. Go and announce that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cure people with leprosy. Cast out demons. Give freely as freely you have received. Not much longer later in his ministry, he has 72 disciples that, again, he commissions disciples and sends out. We just got to commission 27. He commissioned 72, and he sends them out. And we see this in Luke 10, and this is what he tells them to do. He says, if you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. So with the authority they've been given, they go out and they do this. And then they return. And I think the response to Jesus is incredible because we see the response in verse 17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. You see, church, his charge to the people that he was commissioning and sending out to his disciples was pretty simple. Three things. Announce that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick and cast out evil spirits. And because of that, we have to talk about this here. Because see, this first one, we do this pretty well. We know the way things were intended to be, and we go wherever we step, we bring peace. And so we've been commissioned as a church to do this. And the second thing, to heal the sick, how incredible has it been to be part of a community where this has been happening with great frequency? People have been healed in this building over and over in Jesus' name, and we've heard testimony after testimony. And we pray that that continues to happen because we've been given authority in Jesus to pray healing in his name. But it's this third one that's a little bit more difficult to talk about. Set the captives free. Cast out evil spirits. This one is a bit harder to talk about, and why wouldn't it be? Not only has TV and theater made this incredibly scary, my goodness, the exorcist, some of these TV shows, I can't even watch the commercials. But scripture doesn't make it super tame either, especially if you concentrate on Mark 5 and the demoniac and this guy who's the man of the caves and, and they try, he's tormenting the village so much they chain him in the cave. And yet he's so strong with the, with the legion of demons that he breaks the chains, he's cutting himself, he's screaming. And then we see this weird power encounter and Christ comes and the demons are tame and they're scared of him. 
And they should be. This is the king of kings. But Christ does something weird, and he, he casts them out into these pigs that jump off a cliff, and it's just this weird story. But these different things cause us to frame this topic of the demonic and this topic of deliverance as strange and scary encounters. However, today, it's my hope that we see it doesn't have to be extremely weird. It doesn't have to be uncomfortable. It doesn't need to involve yelling and convulsions. It doesn't need to be fear-inducing and awkward to talk about. And it doesn't mean that Salem Alliance is becoming one of those churches, whatever that means anyway. You see, our comfortability causes us to avoid this topic. But today, it's our goal as a church to recover a supernatural worldview, reminding us that we have power because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross to be free, and we have been given authority to set others free in his name. If there's nothing you take away from today, I hope you take this one sentence with you. The enemy is real, and we need to deal with him. The enemy is real, and we need to deal with him. So how does this all work? Honestly, I wish that scripture gave us more guidance on the topic, how the spirit world works, and how the victory that Christ secured for us at the cross can bring us freedom in the here and now. There's guidance there, but I wish there was more. But today I want us to look at three questions, and I want to take it through a scriptural grid so that we can begin to discuss this topic together. Here's the three questions we're going to look at today. Does this oppression from the demonic still happen today? And if so, can Christians experience it? And then finally, what does that look like? What does that look like? So if it's okay with you, let's do it. Let's dive in. First question, does this still happen today? Yes. Satan is real and has a plan for your life. There is a good versus evil battling in the, happening in the, in the supernatural. 1 Peter 5.8 says, stay alert, church. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 2 Corinthians 10 says, we do not wage war as the world does. There is a supernatural world with supernatural beings that interact with our world. That's why Paul, when he's talking and writing to the church in Ephesus, says this in Ephesians 6. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Church, it's real. We need to deal with it. And we as Americans are in this rarity. We are a culture that is rare. In the history of time, and even currently in our world, we are a culture that tries to separate it out, that feels that the supernatural, even if it does exist, does not enter into our natural realm. But most cultures are not this way. Having the privilege of living in the Middle East for years, there they don't struggle with this. Of course the supernatural comes in and, and, and comes and affects the natural. That's why most houses have an evil eye hanging on the wall. That's why people wear jewelry with the evil eye to ward off the evil spirits. In fact, there they have a tradition and a lot of the Bedouin, the nomadic people in, in the Middle East, they still, when they have a baby boy, they'll dress it in girls' clothing and put mascara on it. 
with this idea that the evil spirits wouldn't waste their time with a girl, which is sad in its own thing, but to protect that child from the evil world that clearly is after it. There's no separation. In church, we need to understand and learn from these other cultures. When I'm, when I'm praying in, in authority and stuff, I want to be praying with some of my brothers and sisters that have arrived to America from Africa but grew up there. I want to be interceding with some of my Korean friends. I want to be interceding with those from South America that don't have this blockage that we seem to have to fight through to truly believe that the supernatural interacts. I'm not sure why it's such a, a hard thing for us to realize that spiritual realm exists. C.S. Lewis tried to explain it in his book, The Screwtape Letters, this incredible fictional book, but tosses out a hypothesis that seems to make sense to me. I love the way he describes it. And there's this character called Uncle Screwtape, a senior devil. And Uncle Screwtape is talking to the other devils, and he says this, thanks to the processes that we set and work in them centuries ago, human beings find it all but impossible to believe in the unfamiliar while the familiar is before their eyes. We as, as humanity, especially rational Americans or people of the West, we have difficulty believing in the supernatural when the natural is in front of us. We are a materialistic people. Our modernistic worldview even, that makes prayer even difficult, let alone thinking about the evil supernatural that lurks. The biblical writers lived and ministered in a world and a culture where the spiritual was not questioned. But especially as rationalism came in, that concept began to dissipate. And over the years and past centuries, especially in the West, we've struggled and we've separated. However, I would argue that this concept has found new acceptance of belief here in our culture. I see this as I see ghost tours that have waiting lists in Salem, reality shows about Long Island mediums and countless movies and TV shows that deal with the supernatural. It's on the rise. The acceptance of it in our culture is on the rise, and it's actually the church that seems having more difficulty to accept it sometimes. Rob Reamer in his book Soul Care calls it the Scooby-Doo effect. And we might have shown and talked about this before, but it's the concept that Scooby-Doo started in the 60s, longest running TV show there is. Every single episode was the same thing. Something supernatural seems to be happening. Everyone's freaking out. Then at the end of the show, we see that there's a natural explanation for the supernatural. See, guys, that really wasn't supernatural. There's a natural explanation. Until 10 years ago when the Scooby-Doo movie came out. And the supernatural is there and we're all waiting to see what is the rational explanation for this. And there isn't one. The ghost is actually a ghost. There's been a cultural shift. The Gallup polls show that the, in, the belief in the devil is only increasing, which is a good thing. In 1990, 55% of Americans believed in Satan. In 2007, it was 70%. And that number only continues to rise. Church, our culture is an embracing a supernatural worldview, and we need to as well. There is a supernatural world with supernatural beings that interact with our world. And that leads us to our second question. If that is true, can Christians be influenced by demons? Can Christians be influenced by demons? Again, the answer is yes. Yes, they can. But there's much confusion around this because the question that many of us really want to answer is different. Can a follower of Christ be demon-possessed? That's the question that many of us want to know. And to that, my answer is no. In my mind, possession means ownership, and you are owned. If you are a follower of Christ, you are owned. He bought you with his blood. He sealed the work that he did in you with his Holy Spirit when you put your faith and your trust in Christ and made him Lord of your life. 
So you are owned, but you can't be possessed by the demonic. However, I believe that Christians can be demonized or demon-influenced, and that's a much better word or translation for the Greek word diamonzai. See, what we see in Scripture is that people are often partially bound, whether physically, mentally, or emotionally. It would seem that the evil spirit can take up some space, even reside within us. The Greek word for that is tapas, which means space or place, often translated a foothold. But these spirits can't possess us. They can't own us. And so church, when we talk about deliverance, we talk about something that happens within the community, not something that happens with those that don't know Jesus, that are not followers of Christ. We see it as a step in the disciple process, caring for our souls, ridding ourselves of toxins. And we see that Christ did this this ministry primarily with Jews and God-fearing Gentiles. Then as the church begins, we see both in 1 Corinthians and 1 John 4, we are told as the church to test the spirits within the church, within the community. Additionally, Jesus tells a parable in Luke 11. He tells about this person that a demon is cast out of and the evil spirit goes to the desert to find a resting place. Can't find one and returns back to this person and sees that that space that he once occupied has been swept clean, but nothing has filled it. So he grabs seven friends stronger than him and they take it, they take the space back. Well, we don't want to do that. What we want to do is do this ministry with believers who when that space is made clear, it gets to be filled with the love of the Father and the Holy Spirit. So that space is occupied. So the demonic cannot return. And so yes, demon influence is still a thing. And Christians can be influenced and demons can reside or take up space within us. But we can't be possessed by demons. But that leads us to a third question. What in the world does it look like? What does it look like? What are the symptoms and what gives the demonic the right to occupy a place in our life? What gives them the right? Let me begin with the question about what gives them the right or the access. You see, evil spirits have to have a reason to stick around. They have to have a reason to occupy a place in our lives, almost like an access code. Sometimes this is through our invitation. Sometimes it's through involuntary acts, things that have happened to us. But they gain entry voluntarily when we open ourselves up. It could be involvement in the occult. It could be uh, self-inflicted curses or pacts that we've made with the devil. It could be unconfessed sin, especially sexual sin or violence, blatant unforgiveness. You know you need to ask forgiveness, but you're refusing can be ground for the demonic to attach themselves to us. Other times it's involuntary things. They've invaded our space through generational sin or curses that have been put on us. Could be trauma, rape, or abuse, or simply a wound that you've decided to make part of your identity and agreed with. But you see, when these entry points or these doors or or footholds are there, and they come to mind, and we slam shut those doors, and we remove and seal up those access points, That's when deliverance happens. You see, deliverance is about acknowledging these doors that we have opened, allowing the enemy's presence. And when we acknowledge them and realize they're there, we learn how to close them. That's what deliverance is. When we take authority over any spirit that has had its entryway sealed, its invitation canceled, it has to leave. That is deliverance. 
It's not about shouting at it or raising a voice or some secret words you say. It's simply about the access point being shut and the enemy being told to leave. The fascinating thing is we've been doing this the last couple of weeks here at Sam Alliance Church. In this setting, through repentance and relying on the Spirit, we've been shutting doorways. We've been taking away these footholds. Many of you have had fears exposed and you've dealt with them. Many of you have confessed sins and and dealt with forgiveness issues in your life. You have erased access points. Many of you have had wounds come to mind and you've found healing in those wounds and you've closed a door. Many of you have realized family sin patterns and you've broken those. And again, shut off an access point and hopefully found new levels of freedom. Church, that's deliverance. In his book, Unbound, A Practical Guide to Deliverance, Neil Lozano writes this. I believe that most of our spiritual freedom comes when we learn the truth of who God is and we actually believe what he has said about himself and about us and about his workings in our lives. Trusting God along with resisting temptation, repenting of sin, renouncing the works of the devil, and forgiving those who have harmed us accounts for 98% of our deliverance. You see, deliverance is often, in my opinion, not some dramatic event. It's simply part of the discipleship process. It's a powerful encounter with God, but it's, it's, it's not something that always stands out. It's the wounds, it's the, it's the sins being confessed, it's the secrets no longer being held onto in the dark, it's the memories being identified and redeemed. Many of us, for many of us, this is enough. For, for many of us, we've been walking through this Thrive series and it's brought new levels of freedom. The detox of our soul has been working. Footholds have been closed and new freedoms have been found. Church, that's an exciting thing. However, there are some here who are still stuck. You're still experiencing symptoms that are difficult to explain. And I want to take just a moment to talk about some of these symptoms. I want to start off with one that's a pretty intense one. Some people hear voices. Some people hear voices. Oftentimes, this is a psychological issue. This is a mental health issue. Please understand, deliverance is not a fix-all. Not all mental health issues are because of demonization. Sometimes it's a combination of a mental health issue and demonization, but sometimes it's just a mental health issue. And because of that, we, we believe strongly here in seeing counselors and psychiatrists and psychiatric nurses. We think that these are incredible professions. In fact, we rejoice that there's many people who are followers of Christ in our community that we can refer people to, to get help and to get freedom and to process these things. But there are times when those voices are demonic and they need to be dealt with. For many, though, the symptom is not voices. It's simply thoughts in our minds that don't feel like our own. It's that dark self-talk can be blasphemous. It can be hurtful or condemning, even suicidal. Many people say that that dark self-talk actually rises most when they enter into a time of worship. And they feel that when they were trying to read scripture or enter into a time of worship, that that's when they're having to push it down and break through. And they're able to, they are able to worship in spirit and truth, but there's something there and it's lurking and they don't like it. Another common symptom of demonization is rage. Not losing your temper on the basketball court. I'm talking about you grew up in a rageaholic home. And sometimes this uncontrollable blinding rage comes over you. That could be a sign of demonization and a symptom. 
For others, it's night terror. Some who have experienced sexual abuse and trauma will sense that happening to them again in their sleep, even when they wake up. That is often demonization. And there's freedom. For some, the desire to harm yourself can, or cut can be tied to demonization. Again, not always, but sometimes. However, the big thing is that blasphemy. The blasphemous thoughts that you know you love God, you're following him with all your heart, but every now and then these blasphemous thoughts just come into your mind and, and you're able to turn them off, but why do they come? That could be a symptom. Or you're under a strong feeling of condemnation and accusation. You interpret your life through this lens that you're always being shamed or judged and your, your identity feels worthless. That also could be a symptom of an evil spirit having a small place in your life. For some, these symptoms will disappear as we do the soul work that we have been, been advocating here in this Thrive series. However, for others of you, you will need more help on this journey. In a minute, I want to talk to you about how we want to walk that with you and help you. But let me just pause for just a second. You see, the first time that I ever heard someone teach on this topic, I personally was experiencing a lot of feelings. Anxiety. I kind of looked at the speaker and was like, you're a little bit crazy. I imagine some of you are doing that right now. Fear started to rise in me. And I imagine for some of you, fear is rising. Oh my gosh, do I have something? Do I have a demon? I've been struggling with that same sin, that self-talk that I haven't been able to defeat. I'm exhausted. Do I have something? Oh my goodness. For me, that was accompanied also by like this hope this hope and this peace that, wow, this seems like it's actually not that big of a deal. It seems that there's actually freedom because the amazing thing in this whole deal is who I am in Christ and the power in his name because of what he accomplished on the cross. The son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. So how do I just engage in that? How do I find greater levels of freedom? And hope began to rise in me. And, and I was like, maybe I need to just go for this. This might be what gives me just a little boost in my, in my freedom, in my walk with Christ. Maybe I can experience what I see other people experience. I don't know what mixture of those feelings you're having. I don't know what's going on. But whatever you're feeling, I want you to know it's okay and it's normal. You see, church, we all experience different levels of bondage. Different things that are keeping us from thriving. Different things that are keeping us from full freedom and experiencing God's love. That's why this series has been so important for us as a church. Church, while I've had the privilege of doing a good bit of deliverance over the years, both formal deliverance prayer sessions and then just walking life with people, seeing deliverance happen, even though they don't, wouldn't call it that, but just seeing people repent of things and close doors and close access points. I gotta be honest. For me still, to this day, when I'm getting ready to enter into a deliverance ministry session, I'm like, is, what is going on? Is this real? This is so weird. And yet every time I leave with my faith rising, seeing the power of Jesus' name, seeing the victory that is there because of what he did on the cross, and seeing people find freedom, seeing a space now void, and being filled with the love and the power and the presence of joy in the spirit. 
It is a beautiful and awkward journey, but it's one worth pursuing. And so as we end today, I want to give you a tool to help you walk this in your own life and then also share some resources at Salem Alliance where we want to journey this with you. The resource that I want to share with you today is called the three R's. And in many ways, we've been sharing paths similar to this along throughout this series. But the three R's is a pretty easy one to remember. And the first R stands for remember. Remember. So what I encourage you to do is take your phone sometime this week. Take out a notebook sometime this week and start to just ask the Spirit, Spirit of God to reveal to you, what are some traumatic events that I had in my life? What are some sins or questionable activities that I've been involved with and I have not been able to get victory over? Don't know why, but I just can't conquer that. Why? Write that down. List any involvement with the occult, tarot cards, Ouija boards, Ouija boards, horoscopes, witchcraft, anything like that that you've been engaged in. Write that down. Write down any generational sins. Go back and consider that. What are some things that have been passed down from the family? And then finally, any attitudes or emotions that simply control you. You don't control them. They seem to control you. Write those things down. Take your time doing it. There's no rush. Keep that list on your phone and maybe add to it every now and then when stuff comes up. But once you have your list, the second step is to renounce. Second R is for renounce. This is not prayer. This is renouncing. And here's an example of how you could do that. There, there's many ways you could do this. It's just one that, that I'm putting up here. But in the name of my Lord Jesus, I renounce the enemy using anger as a gateway. I renounce the enemy using lust as a gateway. I renounce the enemy using that abuse that happened to me as a gateway. I renounce the enemy using that wound that I had on the playground as a gateway. I renounce whatever is on your list, you renounce it into my life. I renounce you using it, evil one, as a reason to stay in my life. I close that access point and I tell you, evil one, you need to go. You need to go wherever Jesus sends you. You don't have to yell when you do it either. It's a pretty cool thing. But church, you don't need a pastor to do this with you. That's the beauty of this. You don't need someone else to walk you through it. Because if you are a follower of Christ, because of what he did on the cross, you have authority to do this. He has deputized you in giving you the keys to the kingdom to be able to pray for healing and announce that the kingdom of God is at hand and to get rid of the evil spirits. Well, once you've done that, there's going to be some empty space. And this is the fun part. The last R is reclaim. Here we get to give this area of our life to God. We pray truth of who we are in Christ. We find alignment. We, we, we declare who we are in Christ and we receive his spirit. And we experience the Father's love and we fill that void with who he is in his presence. And this is beautiful. And this is often emotional. Some of you are going to be able to do this on your own. You have been doing it, and you'll continue to find greater levels of freedom. Others of you are a bit more stuck, and you're going to need a community of discerning and experienced believers to walk this journey with you. Let me give you a couple of ways that you can start that journey. One, come back here tonight. We're going to have a worship night tonight, and when we have worship nights here, we worship, and it's incredible, but we also have our healing prayer team. People that have been trained in healing prayer and, and they're available to pray for physical and spiritual and emotional needs and they'll be here tonight ready to pray. So if stuff has come up today, I encourage you to come back and receive some prayer. 
Some other things that you can get involved in. Another one is called our soul care groups. So soul care groups are going to launch April 8th, and they're going to end in June 24th. These are groups where we're going to dive into the same issues that we've been talking about in this series. Just go a little bit deeper, and you can do it in community. And these are going to be offered more than Monday nights as we move forward. So if you're interested in joining a soul care group, you can go on the app. You can go on the website. On the front page, there should be a tab to register. You can call the front desk and ask for Rosanna, and she'd love to sign you up for these. Another thing that we're going to do is we're going to offer a Healing Journey Conference. Healing Journey Conference. And the Healing Journey Conference is going to launch April 5th and 6th. Friday and Saturday, April 5th and 6th. Same thing, we're talking about identity, repentance, forgiveness, family sin patterns, healing wounds, overcoming fears. These are avenues that allow you to begin to process these things and then give you access to our healing prayer teams who would love to walk individually with you. So please, if you're stuck or you're sensing an influence in your life that seems like it's not from the Holy Spirit, can I just encourage you, sign up for one of these. Be courageous and start a journey towards freedom. Hey, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for being here today. I bind fear in Jesus' name. I release freedom. I release courage. I release peace. In Jesus' name. Lord, I don't, uh, we want to walk in freedom. We want to experience your love and your peace in its fullness. So spirit, come. Bring fresh revelation. We love you. We receive your love now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.